0: Dick Baker's Cat by Mark Twain from The Lords of the Housetop 13 cat tales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by dale grothman dick baker's cat by mark twain one of my comrades there another of those victims of 18 years of unrequited toil and blighted hopes, was one of the gentlest spirits that ever bore its patient cross in a weary exile—grave and simple Dick Baker, pocket-miner of Dead Horse Gulch. He was forty-six, gray as a rat, earnest, thoughtful, slenderly educated, slouchily dressed, and clay-soiled, but his heart was finer metal than any gold his shovel ever brought to light than any, indeed, that was ever mined or minted. Whenever he was out of luck or a little downhearted, he would fall into mourning over the loss of a wonderful cat he used to own. For where women and children are not, men of kindly impulses take up with pets, for they must love something. And he always spoke of the strange sagacity of the cat, with an air of a man who believed in his secret heart that there was something human about it maybe even supernatural. I heard him talk about this animal once. He said, Gentlemen, I used to have a cat here by the name of Tom Quartz, which you'd have took an interest in, I reckon. Most anybody would. I had him for eight years, and he was the remarkablest cat I ever see. He was a large gray one of the Tom species, and he had more hard natural sense than any man in this camp and a power of dignity. He wouldn't let the governor of California be familiar with him. He never catched a rat in his life, appeared to be above it. He never cared for nothing but mining. He knowed more about mining, that cat did, than any man I ever, ever see. You couldn't tell him nothing about placer diggings. And as for pocket mining, why he was just born for it. He would dig out after me and Jim when we went over the hills prospecting, and he would trot along behind us for as much as five miles, if we went so fur. And he had the best judgment about mining ground, why you never see anything like it. When we went to work he'd scatter a glance around, and if he didn't think much of the indications, he would give a look as much as to say, Well, I'll have to get you to excuse me, and without another word, he'd heist his nose into the air and shove for home. But if the ground suited him, he would lay low and keep dark till the first pan was washed, and then he would sidle up and take a look, and if there were about six or seven grams of gold, he was satisfied. He didn't want no better prospecting than that. And then he would lay down on our coats and snore like a steamboat until we struck the pocket, and then get up and superintend he was lightning on superintendent well by and by up comes your quartz excitement everybody was into it everybody was picking and blasting instead of shoveling dirt on the hillside everybody was putting down a shaft instead of scraping the surface nothing would do Jim but we must tackle the ledges too and so we did we commenced to putting down a shaft and Tom Quartz he began to wonder what in the dickens it was all about he hadn't ever seen any mining like that before and he was all upset you may say he couldn't come to the right understanding of it no way it was too much for him he was down on it too you bet you he was down on it powerful and always appeared to consider it the cussedest foolishness out but that cat you know was always again new-fangled arrangements somehow he never could abide them you know how it is with old habits but by-and-by tom quartz began to get sort of reconciled a little although he never could altogether understand the eternal sinking of the shaft and never panning out anything at last he got to coming down the shaft his self to try to cipher it out and when he get the blues and feeling kind of scruffy and aggravated and disgusted knowing as he did that the bills were running up all the time and we weren't making a cent he would curl up on a gunny sack in the corner and go to sleep well one day when the shaft was down about eight foot the rock got so hard that we had to put in a blast the first blasting we'd ever done since tom quartz was born and then we lit the fuse and clumb out and got off about fifty yards and forgotten left tom quartz sound asleep on the gunny sack in about a minute we saw a puff of smoke burst up out of the hole and then everything let go with an awful crash, and about four million tons of rock and dirt and smoke and splinters shot up about a mile and a half into the air. And by George, right in the dead center of it was old Tom Quartz, a goin' end over end, and a snortin' and a sneezin' and a clawin', and a reachin' for things like all possessed. But it weren't no use, you know, it weren't no use. And that was the last we see of him for about two minutes and a half. And then all of a sudden it began to rain rocks and rubbage and directly he came down ker whoosh about ten feet off from where we stood well i reckon he was perhaps the orneriest looking beast you ever see one ear was sot back on his neck and his tail was stove up and his eye winkers was singed off and he was all black up with powder and smoke and all sloppy with mud and slush from one end to the other well sir It weren't no use to try to apologize. We couldn't say a word. He took a sort of disgusted look at hisself, and then he looked at us, and it was just exactly the same as if he said, Gents, maybe you think it's smart to take advantage of a cat that ain't had no experience with quartz mining, but I think different. And then he turned on his heels and marched off home, without ever saying another word. That was just his style, and maybe you won't believe it but after that you never see a cat so prejudiced against quartz-mining as what he was and by and by when he did get going down the shaft again you'd have been astonished at his sagacity the minute we touched off a blast and the fuse began to sizzle he gave a look as much as to say well i'll have to get you to excuse me and it was surprising the way he'd skin out of that hole and go for a tree sagacity it ain't no name for it twas inspiration i said well mr baker his prejudice against quartz mining was remarkable considering how he came by it couldn't you ever cure him of it Cure him no when tom quartz was sought once, he was always sought and you might have blowed him up as much as three million times and you never would have broke him his cussed prejudice against quartz mining The End of Dick Baker's Cat by Mark Twain